Hey everybody, welcome back this week as we walk through the Word together. And as we walk out this truth, we discover that life is produced in us and also in other people. We are walking with one another, growing together to see the life of Christ continue to manifest and birth in us and then to see it spread outside of the walls of our houses and our church building. So tonight, um, we're going to continue on in our series on payback. And this idea of payback came as we begin to look at Scripture and look at how Jesus described his kingdom. Jesus says, my kingdom, it's not of this world. It operates differently than this world. When it comes to our relationships with other people, um, Jesus says, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But it's not the way it works in the kingdom. He says, turn your cheek in the midst of a fight, all right? Somebody throws a punch, turn, that, that is not natural, by the way, okay? All right, and so, so he, he says, turn the cheek when you have an, an enemy, right? Instead of fighting the enemy, pray for the enemy. Payback looks different in the kingdom. As far as the debt that we owe because of our sin, the word says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And so we see that the way that we receive payback, even for our sin, there was this free gift paid on our account by Jesus. And so as we think about what that means for us tonight, um, tonight's message is entitled, Payback is Eternal, all right? Now here's the thing. Ultimately, what the word says is at the end of this life, there is going to be a judgment, and when the Bible begins to evaluate whether our life is good and effective or not, it starts to use this word called fruit. It starts to look and see if, if we're producing fruit or not. And ultimately what the word says is there's going to be a payback that we're going to ultimately receive for the fruit that we either produce or don't produce in our life. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. It's one of those subjects that's, uh, you know, we were kind of sitting around the table and laughing that it, it just happened to be like the night that I'm going to preach and I get to preach on judgment. Um, because it's honestly, it's one of those topics that I feel like um, it's either something that's it's all that's talked about in the church or it's one of those topics that's not talked about at all. And, uh, and really, we believe on the word of God and the whole truth of it, and so it's there. And so we want to preach the fullness of the truth, and that's what this night's about. It's helping you understand really how good the good news is, but with that comes a little bit of bad news too, right? So as we think about this, Galatians 6, 9, um, our kids are actually memorizing this verse right now. Parents, you may know the song already, but, um, but here's what this, it says. Let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season you will reap if you do not give up. So the way that we apply that, we say, so don't give up. Do good to everyone. But when we begin to think about this concept of sowing and reaping, man, we are um, like this, you know, I don't know, we I think I've said this before, but, you know, you, you have, like, the microwave generation, and we're the Instant Pot generation, you know? Like, like we want things like a gourmet meal in three minutes. Um, we don't like to think that things take time. And we feel like if something's not happening within the day, within the week, or within the month, that it just must not be good. And, and the reality is, is what the Word encourages in is continue to do good, because in due season you will reap if you do not give up. We have life groups right now that are experiencing some really cool things 
We have families experiencing some really awesome things in their neighborhood because they're not giving up on doing good. And they maybe didn't see the result that they thought they would have on night one, but now weeks, months, years into these investments in relationships, they're starting to see fruit from them. And the encouragement from the word is to not grow weary in doing good. But the question I have then is, well, what is the good thing that I should be doing? Like, what is the thing in my life that's really gonna produce good fruit? So the way that Jesus begins to explain this to us when we look at the word is he uses this picture of farming or gardening. I'm gonna use the word gardening because that's more simple for me to process around because I think most of us maybe have some experience with a gardener at least trying to keep a succulent alive, you know, like an aloe plant or something. So here's the deal. When you think about gardening though, it's honestly pretty complex, um, especially if you're gonna just plant something in your yard um, and, and like make the thing grow. Like if you go out right now and plant tomato plants right now, uh, it's not gonna be good because there's gonna be a frost coming pretty soon um, and that frost will kill the plant before it ever bears fruit. But when you think about gardening, there's much that goes first of all into like, where's this thing gonna go? Like where's it gonna have adequate light and rain? And then we start to think about the soil. I don't know if you know this or not, but you can actually take a sample of your soil, send it off to UT, they'll analyze it and tell you what other nutrients that needs to be added to it, like how you need to fertilize that soil for the growth of whatever you want to have in your garden. And uh, just fun fact, okay, in case any of y'all want to just you know, figure out why stuff's not growing in your garden, you can do that. But here's the deal. When you think about all these things, they all fall in the responsibility of the gardener. And the gardener is concerned with the seasons. He's concerned with the ground, prepping the ground. We read about last week, the good seed, right? The, the, the good seed that finds itself in good soil is the person that hears and understands the word and it produces fruit like a hundred times, okay? Dirt matters, you know, it really does. Like the, 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 the ground that the plant goes into is super important. What is fed to the plants is important. But as we begin to tell these stories and we begin to read scripture, I don't know about you guys, but I typically, when I'm reading this, I put myself in the place of the gardener. Like when I read the Bible, I have a tendency to sometimes read the Bible with me at the center of the story but as we're, as we're looking at this story and, and the, the stories that are coming tonight, rather than Jesus calling us the gardener, he calls us the seed. Now, for a minute, if you think about the responsibility of the gardener is the weather pattern, to, you know, which he does, you know, trying to figure out how to plant in the season, you know, where it's planted, the dirt, picking the plants, feeding the plants, picking the plants, all this stuff, the, the harvest, all those things are responsibilities of the gardener. But for the seed, what does the seed do? The seed gets planted into the ground. It waits on the rain, waits on the sunshine. It's fully dependent upon the gardener, fully dependent upon the master, the one that planted it. But the glory of the seed Get this, y'all. The glory of the seed, though, is what? It's when it bears fruit. It's when that thing just pokes up through the ground and then it gets a little stronger and then all of a sudden there's a flower and there's another flower and then there's a fruit. And then you get to enjoy that fruit. 
And then your plant produces a whole lot more and some fall to the ground and then they produce more fruit. But the glory of the seed is that it produces fruit and that's what Jesus teaches us today in the parables. Um, whether it be the parable of the sower or like we're gonna read today, the parable of the weed. So let's just put some scripture together here tonight. Um, that Jesus is having some conversations with these people called Pharisees. Pharisees, if you don't know who they are, they are very religious people, okay? They were Jewish people. A Jew was somebody who like had, had a, a racial connection to one another. They had a, a political connection. I mean, their government was all linked together in this religious connection. And, uh, and so all these things made up this Jewish culture. And the Jews had the word. They had the Old Testament um, before them, they studied it often. The problem with the Pharisees, though, um, were that the Pharisees missed Jesus. Like they saw all these things, but they read the Bible with them at the center. They read the Bible as a book of everything that they could achieve, and they missed Jesus. So Jesus is having this conversation with them because what the Pharisee wanted to be above all else was righteous, wanted to be right. They wanted to be truly good. And so Jesus begins to have an interesting conversation with the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 12, verse 33. That's where we're gonna start our study tonight. Here's what it says. This is Jesus speaking to the Pharisees. Either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. But I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. So the good person out of their treasure, okay, the words actually like, more closely related to treasury, kind of like the vault of a bank. It's the storehouse of your heart is what Jesus is referring to here. So out of the storehouse of your heart comes your words. And what he's saying to the Pharisees is, man, you wanna be righteous, but ultimately there's evil coming out of you. And if you're truly good, then you're gonna produce good fruit. If you're bad, you can produce bad fruit, all right? Had an apple tree, okay? And that apple tree had this thing called black rot. And every one of my apples had this, this disease on them. And they had these black spots and these, these holes in them and stuff. And, uh, and it was bad tree, bad fruit. Like the best I could come up with was some applesauce sometimes, you know? But it wasn't like the stuff you buy at, the, you know, at an apple orchard. They weren't pretty. It was bad fruit. Bad tree, bad fruit, good tree, good fruit. And the thing is, is as Jesus begins to tell this, it begins to expose something because the reality for each of us here today is we think, man, I'm not that bad. Like, I'm really not that bad. Like, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Then we start evaluating the things that come out of our mouth, though. The reality is, is there's some nasty things that come out of our mouth. It reminds me of Jeremiah, because Jeremiah says this, Jeremiah 17, it says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick, who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart, test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. 
So here's the deal. Regardless of what we think about ourselves, it's the fruit that God is looking at. It's the fruit that Jesus is looking at in our life today, all right? And what we realize early on is the fruit of our mouth, the things that come out of our mouth, it's not good. We talked about this in the past, but think about a child. Child learns the word no really quick, right? It knows to disobey really fast. We know how to tear people down. We don't have to think about it. We know how to shred people to pieces. We know how to be shrewd. We know how to be evil. And I know we don't like to admit it, but the reality is if we can get to this place of recognizing that we are, are bad, that we've got this, this bad thing inside of us, we can begin to realize our need for something good. And I think for some of us, the gospel seems pretty dull because we think we're pretty good. We don't really think we need the gospel if we're good, right? I mean, I don't need to be saved if I'm good on my own. But what the word says is there is judgment coming based on the words that I say. And I don't know about you guys, but the words that come out of me naturally, man, they're not fruitful. They don't give life. And so as I begin to think about that, when we sit there in that moment and we hang in that, there's a little bit of this like, oh, this sickness that I begin to feel, this exposing thing that I begin to feel because what Jesus is ultimately saying here, and I need you to understand this, what, what Jesus is, is beginning to say here is that there is no one good. What the word says, there's nobody that's righteous, no, not one. Isaiah 64, 6 says the best thing that we come up with, like our best deeds are filthy rags. It's dirty underwear. That's what the translation means. No joke. The best that we got looks like filth. Why is this so important that we understand this, y'all? You begin to read the word, and what the word says is that the law exposes sin. In other words, the Old Testament, when we read the Old Testament, it's got all these do's and don'ts. You're going to very quickly get very discouraged if you're reading the Bible from an achiever mentality, seeing what you can do. Because what you're going to quickly see as you read the Bible is that you don't match up. You're going to start with the Ten Commandments, and you're going to be like, man, I mean, I've taken the Lord's name in vain before. Man, I've stolen something before. I've told a lie before. I've lusted before. You start going through all these different things, and you just realize, man, I'm not good. I'm not pure. I'm not perfect. And that's the point of those things. But I want to tell you something that's also so important is that the good news of Jesus changes how we read the Bible. It changes how we experience these things because it's not about what we can achieve, but about what we receive in Christ. You see, the center of the Bible in the Old Testament and the New Testament is not me trying to figure out how good that I can be in my achievements, but it's how good Jesus can actually make me. And there's this, there's this uncomfortable tension when we read the Old Testament because we see, these, we see God's anger and we see these things happen and we're like, man, what in the world is happening but we really see these birth pangs. We really see this tension building to the point where we say, okay, God, I can't do it anymore. And where Jesus looks at his people and God says, listen, y'all can't do this anymore. And he gives us this beautiful promise. It's called the new covenant. 
Our Bible is split into two parts. You've got the old part and the new part. The old part deals with the old covenant when we're trying to achieve law. The new covenant is all about how Jesus achieved it for us, okay? And what Jesus says, or what God says about what Jesus is gonna do, he says, listen, I'm gonna choose to remember your sin no more. I'm gonna choose to forget about your badness, your sin, your disobedience, and I'm gonna put my law in your hearts. I'm gonna make you clean. I'm gonna wash you. I'm gonna forgive you. I'm gonna make you new. And that's what we see Jesus stepping in and doing. So in this conversation, understand what's happening is Jesus, first of all, is exposing to these people that think they're good. He's saying, you, you actually are not good and you can't be good apart from Jesus. Okay, hang on that for a moment. I'm gonna relieve the tension more in a few minutes, all right? So let's keep going. So as Jesus teaches these things, okay, he then begins to show what produces fruit. The goal is to be a good tree producing good fruit. We cannot do that apart from Christ. And so then we get this parable of the sower that we were reading in last week, okay? Here's what the parable of the sower says. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, another 60, another 30, okay? God's hope for us is that we bear fruit, okay? God's hope for each person here tonight is that you would bear fruit, and not just any fruit, but good fruit. So let's put this together. Now there's good soil. From this good soil is a good tree, okay? And that good tree produces good fruit. But what is the good soil? It's the person that hears the word and understands it. What's important about understanding is that it determines what we do. Again, when our heart understands something from it, it flows out of our mouth, it moves us. When you experience the good news, and notice the repetition of good tonight. When you experience the good news, the gospel, that Jesus has relieved this tension, that he has satisfied your sin, that becomes this thing that wells up inside of you and the fruit of your mouth becomes good news. The fruit of your mouth becomes good news. And I just think about that because I look at my life, right? And we, we look and we, we know, man, we know what our flesh starts producing. There's complaints, man. There's evil. There's backbiting. There's gossip. There's destroying one another. But then hope starts coming out of those people that receive the good news. Joy starts coming out of those people that receive the good news. You start encouraging the church. You got Tippy running on stage, giving us love, man, and just, and just leading us somewhere to Jesus, to receive something from Jesus because she's tasted and seen the good news. When the good news is inside the storehouse, inside the heart, it comes out of the mouth. And so what Jesus is continuing to do, remember what I'm saying now, we tend to look at ourselves as the gardener. We like to be our own Lord, don't we? Man, we want our kingdom when you think about kingdom, there's a lot of thoughts that come to mind, right? I mean, you might think about dragons, you know, flying around. You might think about Disney World. You might think about all these, these you know, magical things. You might think about this big wall and a, a moat and 
you know, all these different things, right? You might just think about your, your beautiful home in East Tennessee, kingdom with a white picket fence, kids playing in the backyard, everybody happy, you know, got some hot dogs on the grill, like just chilling, you know? Actually, my kingdom, I don't have hot dogs on the grill. It's more like steak, you know, lamb chops, you know, like anyway. Um, we think about this, this idea of kingdom. We like the idea of being Lord, but then the pressure of being Lord gets to us, don't it? It starts to really wear and tear on us. We start to find ourselves depressed, anxious, start to find ourselves not matching up, meeting the, the goals that we want in our life. And then when we just sit back and look at our life, we realize good's not actually in here and coming out. When we come and recognize that Jesus is Lord and we step into his kingdom, he says, hey, this is what you can expect. This is what you can expect in my garden. I'm the gardener. I'm the master here. And he says, you're the seed. Check this story out, all right? Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. It's the parable of the weeds, not the parable of weed, okay? He put another parable before them saying, Kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. While his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to them, then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, no, less than gathering the weeds, you actually root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Now, remember, I told you, we're the seeds in this story, Okay. One of two seeds in the story, not the gardener. Jesus tells two more parables after this, explaining what the kingdom is. These two other parables, I'm not going to read them. I'm going to paraphrase them really quick. You've got the parable of a mustard seed. A mustard seed seems so insignificant, but it produces this trees, what the word says. It's like this massive bush that provides shade and other birds of the air take refuge in it. In other words, there's this idea that what Jesus plants has this exponential production that begins to happen. Talking to Christy and Matt, they're reaching, they're like just hanging out with their neighbors and they're looking at the exponential possibilities right now because I got seven neighbors that are hanging out with them that don't know Jesus. And they're like, if just one of them will come and just receive the gospel, man, it's gonna just, the, the floodgates are gonna open up. That's what Jesus is talking about here. So you got one seed. It seems insignificant to be the seed, but it's not because the glory of the seed is its fruit. So the little bitty mustard seed produces something awesome. And then he's got this other little parable about the yeast or the leaven that you add to dough when you're making bread. And it takes just a little bit to leaven up the whole lump of dough. Again, there's nothing that's so that's insignificant in the kingdom. 
Every word that you speak matters in the kingdom. Every action that you do matters in the kingdom. The smallest of seeds can be a massive tree producing fruit 160, 30 times in the kingdom. So don't be ashamed of or feel less than when we're looking at the store and we recognize we're the seed. Man, it's a pleasure to be the seed and the kingdom. But here's how Jesus explains the rest of this parable. So the disciples are with him now and they go into a house and they say, Jesus, explain to me what you just said, <laughs> okay? And here's what he says, verse 36 of Matthew chapter 13. He left the crowds, went into the house and his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. The reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The son of man will send his angels. They will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers. Throw them into a fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. Okay, didn't need a commentary for that one, did we? Jesus just lays it all out. There's nothing cryptic about this. It's very straightforward. So let's process this then, okay? The one who sows the good seed, which produces wheat, is the son of man. That capital S on son of man is Jesus, okay? Jesus is the one that sows the good seed. So then we know that as we put this story together, that Satan comes in in the night while they were asleep and he sows weeds. Now, let me just give you a little bit of context behind what the weed is. Because I looked it up because I was like, what is this weed that he speaks of, you know? And it's this word called Darnell, okay? What Darnell is, is it is, it looks identical to wheat, okay? So much so that they actually refer to it as false wheat, right? Now track with me here. It looks just like False. I mean, it looks just like wheat. It's called false wheat, all right? So let's put together what Jesus has said, all right? He's judging us by our fruit, okay? Our fruit is the words that we speak. The good tree produces good fruit. It comes from good soil. Now you have Jesus planting good seed. The hope of that good seed is that it will produce good fruit, so here's the distinction between wheat and the weed, Darnell. The only way you can tell the difference between them is when they mature. And when they both mature, the difference is, is that wheat produces the grain that we can eat. Weed, though, the weeds here, Darnell, it produces poison. It produces poison. And it's only whenever it bears fruit that you can actually tell them apart. All right, so what is, what is Jesus telling us here? 
okay? He continues to say, and, and like the immediate response is, is, well, if there's weeds in the garden, shouldn't we get them out, right? But here's the problem with Darnell. Darnell has this really complex root system that actually weaves itself in to the wheat and to the roots of the, the wheat. And so if you go and you start pulling out Darnell, what's gonna end up happening is you're gonna remove the wheat as well. So out of love and care for the wheat that is producing fruit, Jesus says, leave it there. Leave it there for the course of, of, of the season. And then at the harvest, the master is gonna send the, these heavenly eyes into the harvest, these angels into the harvest to, who know the difference, who see the difference in the fruit and then begin to sort them out. So what Jesus is teaching us in the parable of the weeds, just the, like the big overview, is that there is a judgment coming. There is a separation that's going to happen between the wheat and the weeds, between what is producing good fruit and what is producing poison. It was actually a criminal offense in this time, in this day and age, for you to go into someone else's farm Go in among their crops and sow Darnell. That was a criminal offense that would happen because it would shut that farmer down for them to give what they thought was wheat but was actually Darnell, actually poison. Like it actually can really make you sick, if not be fatal to you to intake this stuff, all right? So if you're making Darnell bread, it ain't good for you, okay? So what he's saying, what he's putting together for this is this, all right? There is a judgment coming, and the judgment is gonna come based on your fruit. He's gonna begin to sort out the wheat from the weeds. And so as we read the story, we start to think, okay, well then I want to produce good fruit. If Jesus says a good tree bears good fruit, and ultimately the fruit is my words, and I'm gonna be judged on the words that I say, are my words fruitful or are my words poison? And what we clearly see in here is that the gardener is sowing this good seed. And this good seed comes from Jesus. If Jesus sows it, it's good and it's going to produce fruit. And here's another thing that I want to tell you today. If you confess Jesus as Lord, okay, you have stepped into this process of being the wheat that is producing this grain in your life, that's producing fruit. And the reality, it's not a matter of if. It's, again, it's not about what you can achieve. It's about what you receive from Jesus. And if you have received the goodness of Jesus into your heart, you will produce fruit. And that's a massive shift for us because I think sometimes we can sit and we can put all this pressure on ourselves to produce fruit right now and just, and just see all things just become fruitful in our life, just like that. But what I'm reminded of in this passage is that there was a process that took place between the time the seed was planting, between the night where the weeds got planted and then between the harvest, whenever they were actually able to discern the difference between the wheat and the weed. These things take time. And when you're sowing seed in the neighborhood, whenever you're beginning to, to work and plant, whenever you're beginning to, to, to give off other seed and scatter goodness, 
and you don't grow weary of doing good, let me tell you something. Sometimes those things don't happen overnight. They don't happen in our timeline often. But I guarantee you the master's got this thing under control. He knows what's going on. He sees. He knows. He knows what he did when he sowed that seed. He knows what he did when he left the weeds there. And y'all, so many times in the church, we get so caught up in pointing out the weeds and looking and getting discouraged when, when we see the weeds shoot up and grow faster than we think we need to be growing and become more successful and become larger in the field than we think that we should be. When we see all these things happening and what, what, what Jesus is just reminding us of is, listen, you're a seed and I put you there to produce fruit. Don't mind the weeds, just keep producing fruit. Don't grow weary and doing good right now. In due season, you're going to reap if you don't give up. Don't give up. And I love the encouragement of the Father here. And so it leaves us with this understanding again. There is a judgment coming. There is payback coming. An eternal payback that's coming based on the fruit that my life produces what is my life producing? And I want to be good, but how in the world do I produce this fruit? And this is what Jesus tells us. I love how all of his teachings, his parables all come together and how clear they are. Listen to this. John chapter 12, verse 24 through 26. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. All right, y'all. So here's the reality of the gospel for us. I want to remind you of the gospel and if you know the gospel, maybe this will help you as you share the gospel to others. Because what I firmly believe is if the gospel is inside of you, it will come out of you. Okay? If the gospel is in your heart, it will come out of your mouth. If there's bad news in here, bad news is going to come out. But here's what Jesus is saying. He's not just talking about what his disciples are going to do, but it's a foreshadowing of what his death means. You see, Jesus is about to go to the cross, and Jesus is telling them this is what Jesus is about to go through. This is what he's about to experience and go through is falling to the ground. But unless Jesus went to the ground, unless Jesus died, then salvation wouldn't be multiplied in fruitful masses throughout the world. But he had to die in order for that to happen. And you see... What we see is in the midst of this tension of this bad news, the good news is that God loved us despite our sin and offers life to us, the good life, through the good news to all who will believe. In Matthew 12, what we read tonight was this. For by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned. I'm here to tell you the word that will justify you is the word that we see here in Romans 10, 9. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. What are we saved from? This eternal payback. 
There will be payback for your life if it's not covered in the blood of Jesus. And there will be separation from God because of the filth that comes out of our heart. We all have to deal with this, reckon with this. The word says, for the heart one believes and is justified, and by the mouth one confesses and is saved. As the good news that Jesus loves you and died for you gets into the depths of your soul, then you begin to confess that Jesus, you are Lord. You're the gardener, I'm the seed. And it takes us confessing our Lordship and saying, and, and, and really saying, Lord, I, I am tired of being Lord. Lord, I, I recognize that me being Lord only produces death in my kingdom, but yours is a kingdom of life. Lord, I lay down my kingdom. And in that confession of your own sin, it's also this confession of the truth that Jesus, you are Lord. So how does one bear fruit? Because there's this other side of eternal payback that, that I want to be a part of, right? Jesus said he separates the, the evil, the wheat, from the weed. This wheat now, this glorious fruit, it shines like the sun when the weeds are removed. I'm telling you, man, you may feel like weeds are covering you up in your life right now. Keep bearing fruit. Don't give up. And if you sit here and you're like, okay, so, so, so I see Jesus now, all right? So I confess Jesus as Lord. I believe in my heart. God raised him from the dead. I'm saved from this judgment now. I'm a, and, and by the way, if you've confessed that, that confession is good for the rest of your life. It's good for eternity. But here's what he says. Thus the grain falls and dies. It remains alone but if it dies it bears much fruit as Jesus is talking about what was going to happen to him now he brings us into it and this is what he says so whoever loves his life loses it that's really hard but he's speaking to the achievers in the room he said y'all that keep achieving and trying to win this best life right now for yourself if you're willing to sacrifice that if you're willing to lose your life now, you will actually gain it then. What do you want to receive today? Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Y'all, if you want to keep your life today, it's going to be found. What we see is kept in the parable of the weeds person that bears fruit. If you want to keep it today, you got to fall to the earth. You got to follow the example of Jesus. Lose your life. Go into the ground. And I just want to tell you something. It's the most countercultural thing in the world. It's the most counterintuitive thing to the worldly kingdom and the way that we build things. But I'm telling you, it's the way that Jesus's kingdom operates. And if you want to be a part of it, you got to follow the master. And what Jesus says here, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also, and let me tell you something, if Jesus is in the ground, then it's time for us to be in the ground too. If Jesus gave his life 
to produce fruit that other people might get saved and it's time for us to get in the ground, recognize our responsibility as a seed and then produce fruit that leads other people to repentance. The fruit that comes from your life comes from your mouth. And the, the, our mouth is made to speak the good news. And y'all, I'm just telling you, it's time for the church, for those people who say, I believe in Jesus, to continue to make that confession of faith to other people and share the good news. It, it is time. It is the season. What Jesus also says about the harvest is that it's ripe, it's plentiful, but the workers are few. Meaning there's so many people out there waiting to hear the gospel. They're waiting for the seed to fall. They're waiting to hear the good news. Who's gonna tell them the good news? And, and I, I look at Tippy. Thank you so much for sharing tonight. But Tippy led us to the gospel tonight. What do you wanna receive? Because Tippy's experienced the gospel. She experienced Jesus. She experienced this good news that you can only receive. And I'm here to tell you today, goodness cannot be achieved. It can only be received. And we try so hard to be good, but I want to tell you something, church. It can only be received. But when we step there in that place of receiving, that gives us the strength to actually go and follow Jesus, to give our life, to see the gospel go out. But I just want to see more people experience the gospel. And that means we got to continue to experience the goodness in our heart of the gospel. Because as far as I'm concerned, what Jesus is saying is if the gospel's not in your heart, it's not going to come out of your mouth. And I want to know why we're not speaking the gospel if it's in here. I want to know why more neighbors aren't coming to know Jesus if it's in, really in here. I want, to, I, want to know, I want to know why more people aren't giving their life if, if they know the truth is, is that we're judged by our fruit. So church, it's time to be fruitful. It's time to produce. It might take a, it might take a lifetime. It might take a lifetime, but it's time for us to do the good thing. It's time for us to die to ourself to be willing to lose our life because listen, you can try to gain all you want now, you're gonna lose it then. But if you're willing to lose it now, you gain it then. And so I wanna just close with what Tippy started our, our night off with. What, what do you wanna receive tonight? Because if you want your life to produce good fruit, you gotta receive the goodness of Jesus. Again, the good word to confess is that Jesus is Lord. So we're gonna continue our time of worship. Now we're gonna focus in on Jesus at the center of it all. We're gonna ask God that everything fades away right now through this song, that there be nothing else that we're focused on but Jesus. Remember, anything truly good producing fruit is gonna come from the king, it's gonna come from Jesus. So let's ask him right now to meet us in our time of need. Let's trust him as gardener to provide everything that we need. And if you're so bold to be willing to lay down your life for the king, would you do that? And let's stand and let's sing this together. Father, I look around me sometimes and I get distracted, God. I may not forget my responsibility, what you've really put me here for. And that is to reflect your glory. 
Let us reflect your goodness. God, would you move inside of our hearts? Would you stir us? God, as we think about the end and what's coming to those that don't bear fruit, God, may, may we be named among those that are considered your righteous, that produce good fruit, that produce a hundred times, God, because we heard the word and we understood it, we were in the good dirt. God, from good seeds and good dirt, God, may we be a good tree that produces good fruit. And out of our mouths, may the good news go, God. May the good news find somebody new this week, God. Because from the, in the depths of our storehouses was something good, God. So Lord, we receive your goodness tonight. That's what I want to receive is your goodness your grace, so that I might speak goodness and grace. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. It's in the name of Jesus we sing.